This is the Untitled Female Podcast, and today I'm speaking with Sarah Levy. So that track you just heard, if you don't want to listen to the introduction, you want to skip right over to our conversation, you can fast forward to where you hear that track again, and then that's where the conversation is going to start. Let me fill you in on who Sarah Levy is. Sarah and I met when she was still Sarah Larson. We both attended Detroit Country Day School in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, and we both admit that we were raised in an affluent and privileged community, which gave us a warped sense of the realities of the world. When we were in high school, Sarah was a year older than me and a cool girl. I remember that I didn't feel cool enough to be in the midst of her circle of friends. So when I found myself writing her an email asking if she would be a guest on my podcast, I immediately went back to my 15-year-old self and started feeling so fearful that she would deem my initiative total child's play and would turn me down. My self-esteem was so low that I figured she wouldn't respond at all. In fact, that couldn't be further from the truth. She responded with an immediate yes, which resulted in my feeling like a total asshole. And once we connected on Skype, it was as if the silly insecurity I felt in high school no longer existed. She is truly a badass and a kind woman. If you haven't realized already, she opened Y7 Studios, aka the original hip-hop yoga studio, with her husband Mason, which now has five locations in New York and one in Los Angeles, and they're growing. Forbes named her a millennial CEO, which we discussed at length. So I dissected her thoughts on what it takes to be a female entrepreneur. There's a lot to learn here for anyone who is looking to start their own business or needs that extra boost of confidence to stand firmly behind whatever idea they're looking to push. Beyond business, this conversation is so important because we really dive into how she evolved from a woman who used to take every piece of criticism to her core to a woman who speaks her truth and champions flaws. If you want a cheat sheet on what you'll learn from this, log on to the UF website under the tab podcast and you'll see Sarah Levy. Click that, scroll to the bottom, and I give you a full information of what you're going to learn. Let's get to the show. So I, I, you know, I was just saying to you, I think the the best thing would be for us to kind of start off and say where we're from and particularly the school that we went to. Totally. We're both from, essentially from Bloomfield Hills. Yes, ma'am. We went to country day school. I mean, I started going there when I was, you know, four years old. It's a small private school and I feel really lucky because there was such a focus on education and you're really pushed to kind of, you know, be at your top, top all the time. Um, but I think for me, it was also really, really stunted my emotional growth of who I am now. It took me a really, really long time to get comfortable, um, with who I am and, you know, the opinions that I have and, it just took me a really long time to get there because I was always really, really focused on sort of fitting in, um, especially with such a small group of people. So I think that, you know, when I was younger, especially middle school, um, I had a really, really hard time figuring out, you know, what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be and sort of what I stood for. But I'm also really grateful for that kind of like tough time because I think as I got older, especially like after college, I was able to kind of stand firm and like recognize those feelings of like, okay, like I don't really 
you know, get this or like, like this or, um, and I'm uncomfortable and can kind of make those changes, um, to sort of my outlook. Do you feel that, you know, it's tough to say like whether it was the school and the education or that just the community that we grew up in, because it is, it's kind of this like little microcosm, this little world. Um, and we're so, you know, protected from the realities of what is happening. So you can't necessarily fault neither our parents nor our education or anything like that. But, but, you know, in, in doing research for this project in particular, it's, you know, what I've seen is reminiscent of kind of some of the bullying that, you know, I experienced when I was in middle school and high school. And, it is easy for a young woman or a young girl to kind of fall into that trap of, well, it's cool to make fun of other girls. And I, and I'm wondering what your shift in your thought process is on it. Yeah. I think that, you know, I definitely fell into the category of not the nicest, um, in high school. And it's something that like, I'm definitely not proud of, but I'm able now to sort of recognize that that was, I was so insecure. And that was my number one defense mechanism was to like point to other people before they could point to my flaws. And I had parents who were kind of not around all the time. So I had no one really sort of to talk to and to be like bounce like feelings off of, I guess, as like emotional as that sounds and dramatic. But I really, I was super, super defensive over everything that I did. If someone even gave me a little bit of criticism, I would freak out. I was just really defensive and jealous and not sure of who I was. So now I've realized that that's just like, that's not a way to be. And now having a company of 98% women, like the only thing to do is to lift each other up. That's it. That's all you can do. Like everyone is different. Everyone's going through their own journey. They, everyone has their own shit and you never know what they're going through. And I think it's really important to just be there physically or, you know, emotionally to lend an ear, um, you know, and just help support. So that's kind of a thing, especially, you know, I went from, I worked in fashion for five years before doing Y7 full-time. And I think that too, like that's such a competitive industry as well. And I just kind of grew out of that competitiveness. Like it's not, it's not fun for me. Like I don't need to be, I don't need to be better than somebody else. I just need to be the best self that I want to be and the best version of myself. So I think that really, you know, sort of like after college really shifted for me. And since I've made that shift, I've been way happier with who I am, way happier in my choices, and I can feel confident in my decisions because they're mine. You know, part of what I would like to do um, is change the idea of what's cool, meaning I feel as an older woman now speaking with teenagers, I could say, hey, you know, that seems cool right now, but it, it, you won't necessarily feel good about this later. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to switch that that thought process, were there things for you that kind of opened your eyes and you were like, Oh, I don't, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't me. Yeah. I don't know if there is anything super specific rather than just a trend of like, I'm tired. It's so, it's so much effort to, you know, criticize and to judge when you can just sit and smile and say, hello. And I think that I, you know, at a certain point, it's just like enough, like I'm good with who I am. I don't need to compete with you. Um, there was kind of something really, you know, 
one of my best friends in college who I was very close with her and I are not, I mean, we're friendly, but like, we're not by any means as close as we were. She would always try and compete with me on like weird things. And like, I don't, I don't care. And I think when it, it was like boys, it was like grades, it was skin. Like I, you know, I don't, I, I don't care. Like, I just want you to be happy. And like her competing with me and like my life, I was like, I can't invest so much time into this relationship anymore mm-hmm. because it's just making me sad and giving me anxiety. And it's a lot of work. And like, I just want you to be happy. And like, if that means that like we aren't friends and we aren't close, like that's okay. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's kind of what everyone has to realize is that like, not everyone has to like you, you know, and not everyone is going to like you and that's okay. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You know, as long as, you know, you're happy with yourself, I think that, you know, that's the main thing. And, you know, as you're talking kind of about how to reach like young girls in this stage, I think it's all about giving them not confidence in the sense of like, you know, oh, I'm so pretty. Oh, I'm so great. But more confidence in their ideas and to speak their thoughts and to speak truthfully, because I think people are so afraid of hurting other people's feelings that they don't really know what to say. So they never make a clear choice. And it's hard to kind of live your life on that, you know, like that sense of like, yeah, for sure. So I think that being able to have somebody to talk to as well, having someone to go, whether it's your mom, a friend, a teacher, whoever, just being like, Hey, like, is this weird? Like, I have a question. Is this like, you know, is this okay to ask? Like I have this situation with a friend, like, I don't know what to do, but I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Kind of like a safe space. Yeah. And being able to have those conversations, even with the person that you're like uncomfortable with, just having it where no one gets defensive It's just like, hey, like you did this and it made me really sad or it made me really uncomfortable. And like, I don't want to feel that way about you. You know, I don't want to hold on to that resentment. And like, every time something happens, I like look at you differently. Like that's the worst feeling. And I've learned as I've gotten older too, like that's a big thing with me too, is that like when I feeling like weird about something or like maybe, you know, someone did something that bothered me or... Um, you know, I sense someone acting a little weird towards me. It's like, I always just like to bring it up because it's so important to clear the air and just not have those, you create these stories in your mind of things that like may not even be half true. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's, you know, having the confidence and the support to be able to sort of bring those things up and have those tough conversations. Which, you know, to transition a little bit, uh, into business mode, I think what's interesting, you know, you mentioned, you said around 95% of the, the employees that you have are women, um, which is fantastic. And, but, you know, I, I would, I would say that a majority of industries, maybe fashion aside, um, are, you know, heavily male dominated. Totally. And then I'm just wondering now finding yourself in, in this space, what's it like being in that uh, arena. I feel that for myself in particular, you know, I, I was always in industries where there's just strictly men, testosterone. Um, and, and we women do face challenges in equality in that sense. But oftentimes, through my own personal experiences and through conversations had with other women, women are our biggest enemies sometimes. And I'm wondering if you've come across anything like this and, and why 
why you feel that that is how it is. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely have come across it. Um, not so much, you know, with Y7. I think that, you know, yoga is so interesting because we're all like very feelingy. We like to talk about our feelings. We like to get things out in the air. You know, we go to coffee, we like hash it out in like a very, you know, non-confrontational way, which is I love because I just like, I hate that like workplace, like tension, but you can definitely see it in a lot of places. And I think that I don't, it's so interesting because I don't know why women do that. I don't know if it's a recognition thing. Like I've caught myself doing it when I worked in fashion, I caught myself doing that all the time. And I was like, fucking relax. Mm -hmm. Like chill out. Um, you know, like how many pieces of clothing you sell doesn't really have to do, you know, with your self-worth or your, you know, your value as a human being. So, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that we haven't really had to deal with that at Y7 so much yet. I think, you know, what we've really dealt with more is uh, power struggles in terms of personality types, if that makes sense. You know, we have people who have been, we do have a couple girls who work for us who have been in the industry for a long time and to have certain ways of doing things that may not work for the situations that we're in, especially since, you know, we're a very young company. So it's interesting to kind of see those things kind of play out. I think that's the biggest thing we've seen. But again, like coming from me, we all have the same goal. And that's what I always tell like our entire staff is like, we all want the same thing, right? Like we all are working towards the same thing. We all want to grow the company. We all want to be giving the best client experience possible. We all want our clients leaving like happy and, you know, fulfilled. And that's what we want. We want to give them a clean space. We want to give them a safe space. Like none of us want anything different. So why aren't we working together? Why aren't we like helping each other, like make our ideas better, championing each other when we do something amazing or come up with a new idea or come up with a new system or, you know, really go that extra step to make maybe an angry client, you know, feel better or whatever it is. Like we all want the same thing. And I think that's at the end of the day, really important to keep in mind. Well, like maybe we're not doing it my way this time, but maybe I'll get my chance to really shine and like show my idea next time. And that's, you know, what it's all about. And it's really about like a team for us mm -hmm. since there's, I mean, the, really the only male in the office is my husband. So <laughs> he just kind of sits there, which, which I'm sure is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And it's funny. It's funny. Like all of the profiles that I've read on you, every single article, um, mentions inquisitively, like how is it working with your husband? And, um, <laughs> You know, I, 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 I can't speak from personal experience, but I would, I would assume that, as you have mentioned in many articles already, it's the difficult part is setting boundaries, meaning not letting the work overflow into your personal life um, and just the time away from it. So, I, you know, I would be curious to hear, too, like how, how has that evolved for you in order for you guys to find that happy balance? It's, I mean, it's still a work in progress. It's always going to be. We have many fights, um, disagreements, and it's really hard because this is our company. You know, this is our life where a lot of, you know, a lot of times, like I won't email, you know, my director of operations after like 7 p.m. because she's home. The day's over. Unless it's an emergency, like, you know, a water line broke, but like, you know, it's over. 
for him and I, this is never over. This is our company. This is our business. This is something that we both feel so passionate about. It's really hard, you know, not to talk about it when it's convenient, you know, when you're sitting on the couch or dinner, you're like, Oh, I forgot to tell you like this happened and you get into it and it just spirals. And we've had to work really, really hard to just like look at each other and be like, okay, none of this is like life or death. Like we can talk about it tomorrow. They're like, I need to sit on it. Like, I don't want to talk about it right now. And that's okay to do, you know, not everything has to be solved immediately. And we're not going to agree on everything. And that was something I think we had to realize too. It's gotten better. In the beginning, it was really, really difficult because it was very new for both of us. You know, managing teams was new for both of us. Being our own bosses was new for both of us. And working together was new for both of us. Really, the only thing we ever, like, you know, had to be, like, a real team on was, like, cooking dinner together. And even then, I'd kick them out of the kitchen, like, five minutes into it. So... It was really, it was, you know, it was a really big change for us. And um, I think now we've really kind of hit, there's always going to be work to do, but we have a really, really great corporate team who's like in the office with us, who we adore and who really have like helped our marriage because they can take some of the work off of our plates. You know, it's like something. I was going to say, I, I, what I love about um, what you're saying, and I think most people don't say this is that marriage takes work, plain and simple. And it's just a lot of times it's this dreamlike world where everything is perfect. And I honestly think a lot of the times why, you know, people come out of that honeymoon phase and they're like, oh, why does this suck? Well, because it, it is the biggest piece of work that you're going to be doing and it's constantly there and it's always in your face and it takes a lot of effort, you know? Totally. And it's always evolving. That's the thing. It's always changing. Like I'm changing every day. He's changing. He's learning new things. Like we're meeting new people. We're having new experiences. So it's, you know, no one is going to stay the same forever. No one's going to be the same person they were when you like met, you know, when you meet people, they're normally the best Mm -hmm. of themselves. You know, you only get to see like the shiny, like pretty side. And that's like what, like 10% of who they actually are. So marriages work, you know, regardless of like what you, you know, do for a living or do for life and then throw a company on top of that. And, you know, I'm really like, I'm really proud of like kind of where we've come out on that. Cause it's really, really difficult. Um, I mean, we definitely, there's still work that has to be done constantly, but, um, you know, communication has been really, really important to us. Um, and it's something that we've really worked on really just like being open and honest and kind of not being scared to have those tough conversations. You kind of don't want to have mm-hmm. sometimes where you're like, Ew, this is weird. I don't want to talk about this. I'd rather just like push it under the rug and talk about it later. But you, know, you have to have those conversations when you're together every day. No, I love that. Um, I, I, I read this one article. It was quoted as saying, that you're a, a millennial CEO. <laughs> and I, I, I wonder how you feel about the, the millennial part of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it. I mean, I guess I'm honored to be considered that young still. Um, but I never really have ever thought of myself as a CEO um, or anybody's boss, really. And I don't know. 
I don't know if that's like a really good thing or a really bad thing, but I know that I still work the front desk if I need to, like, I'm happy to pick up a shift. I'm off the studio floors when we're busy. Like I, I love that this is my company and I want to be in it. Like I really, really want to be in it. So I think the word millennial is like so interesting because it's, it started as just like, you know, sort of like character traits and then it kind of became this really like negative thing where like, you know, everyone's instant gratification. No one can sit still, like no one can stay at jobs. The way I kind of look at it is more of like a curiosity, you know, noticing like what doesn't work and not, and, you know, not being scared to sort of move away from that and be like, okay, well, this isn't working. So I don't need to stay here. You know, if it's like, if you're unhappy in your job or, you know, if you see something that you don't like and you have an idea to change it. And I think that's, what's kind of cool about being lumped into that category is that sense of, um, I can change things like what, I have a vision for matters and I can put that, you know, into play and see that happen in real yeah. life. I, and I think too, the other part of it and what, you know, it means to be a millennial is to be very good with reaching out to fans or audience, whatever it may be, but using social media platforms and just looking at the way that you guys have done the, the website and then your Instagram, it feels like a brand that has, is very well, you know, cultivated and crafted, but it also feels authentic. That's, I think the big thing here that a lot of brands fail. Yeah. I think in the beginning, this really, we really started Y7 for me. I wasn't happy with the yoga that was being offered to me. It had nothing to do with the teachers. It had nothing to do with like their sequencing. It just like, wasn't for me. I wasn't relating to any of it, you know, to kind of use your word, like that it didn't feel authentic to me. It felt like every time I took a class, like it was just like yoga things being regurgitated. It didn't really feel like, I don't know, it's just, and maybe that's just me. Like, I just didn't feel, you know, that connection, you know, to what I was taking. And this Y7 really came from what I felt was missing in the industry and what I wanted from it. You know, there's been so many times throughout like the last three years where people have been like, you should add a class with weights. You should do this. You should do that. And that's not what I want to do. There's so many amazing yoga studios in the city and like all over the country and amazing instructors. I just want to do what I want to do and that's it. And they think it's having that really like sort of, you know, tunnel vision in that sense that's made us really successful is we're a brand that's consistent and we are a studio that clients can count on. They know when they're coming to the studio, what they're going to get. They know that if it's a sub, and their regular teacher isn't teaching that, like, you know, they may not have that, like, instant connection with them. But guess what? They're still going to get an amazing workout and hear amazing music. And they're going to sweat. That's what they're going to get. And they know that, which is why, like, the experience portion of, you know, the studio and just staying really, really true to what we believe in and what we started doing has been such a focus for us. I have so many questions based off of that. Um, Yoga in its sense is, in its truest sense, is a traditional practice. Um, And I have a lot of my own thoughts and theories on that too. Just living out in Los Angeles, I kind of saw this almost fabricated version of yoga um, where it became more about doing yoga versus actually practicing yoga. Um, 
And, right. and I kind of love that, again, in the theme of competing with women and comparing ourselves with women, all that is you really strip that away at Y7. You know, you don't even allow the opportunity for someone to bring in those negative patterns and habits that we all have, you know, and and I I love that idea. I think it's so beautiful. And I, I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about that because as you said, this came... This idea came because it was for you, essentially. Yeah. So what happened to you? <laughs> well, I would go to these beautiful studios led by instructors who were 5'10", very thin, bendy, flexible. 80% of the class would be like that. And there's mirrors. There's all these things. I'm like, listen, I'm not overweight by any means, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like a super fit girl. I work, I work out to eat. I work out so I can enjoy my food. And, you know, I don't like love going on a run. That's just not who I am. And I found every time I went to a yoga class, I would leave feeling so bad about myself. Mm -hmm. I would just like compare myself to every single person in the room. And a lot of times the instructors would use a star student or a model student to sort of say, look at so-and-so, this is how you should look, try and look like her. And if you know anything about yoga and how we're anatomy at all, you know that everyone's body is shaped differently. Some people can do things that other people can't. And it could have to do with like the length of their legs. It could have to do with the length of their torso. There's so many different things that can affect the way that we look externally that we have no control over. It's just how it is. Yoga is so amazing because what it really teaches you is that the whole path to enlightenment is in yourself. It's all about you. It's not about the other people around you, you know, and like it became such a thing where like, there's this whole term like yoga liberty with like, you know, all those people who can do these like incredibly beautiful poses and they're bending their bodies in these gorgeous ways with these serene looks on their faces. Like when I do chair pose, I look constipated and I don't want to see that in the mirror when I'm like trying really, you know, I'm like really trying and I don't want to look at my face and be like, Oh, make that face because other people might be looking at you and can see you, you know? So with Y7, we just like took that out. And that's really like, it's my favorite, favorite part of being in class is looking around and seeing girls or guys who aren't considered, you know, thinner in shape, just, you know, shirts off, either working out in their sports bras or guys without their shirts on really giving it their all, just really trying to touch their toes down there. And just, I I love that because that's what it's about. The practice is about you and your body and your goals and where, you know, what you need. It's not about what the person next to you is doing. I really want all of our clients just to focus on being the best version of themselves. And I think taking away the mirrors and having it, you know, candle it really just helps make you feel safe, you know, that you can try things. You can sit a little bit deeper. You can twist a little bit deeper, like, and no one gives a fuck and no one can see you even if they wanted to. So, and the, the interesting thing too, I, I found was that all of a sudden this appeals so much to men that in fact, like men for some reason are, are even more insecure than we assume them to be, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And like, I, you know, I had no idea. Cause like, you know, to me, if like a guy can't touch his toes, I'm like, of course you can't. You're a dude. Like, 
there's a lot happening, but you know, they get really insecure about those things when, you know, they're not as bendy, they're not as flexible. I'm like, that's okay. But those want they need it the most a lot of times, you know, and it's a totally different kind of strength. I think a lot of, um, men focus on weightlifting. So they're always like lifting the weights. They're always, you know, using weights. And what's really interesting is that yoga is all bone strength. It's all load bearing. So it's a completely different kind of strength you need to have in your body and it's only beneficial. So I love that we've kind of like opened the door for, you know, these guys to kind of come and explore their practice and maybe even circuiting deeper into different kinds of yoga. And I love that. I think that's the coolest thing ever. I mean, I'd be sad if they went to another studio, but if I can help somebody get deeper into their practice, been great. I wanted to talk a little bit about the the business aspect of it. Based on your experiences, your strengths and weaknesses, if a, a girl wanted to start her own business, what are the things that you know you went through that prepared you best um, to be where you are now? I think it's really just believing in what you're starting and showing that you believe that. You know, you don't want to go into a meeting and, you know, really like present or, you know, talk about your whole business or idea or what it is only for people to question you and you to be like, yeah, well, maybe, you know, I think as women, we're kind of eager to please a lot of times. I think we're growing out of that, especially in sort of these times, you know, that's not as typical, but a lot of times, like even I'm still like, okay, you know, like I want everyone to like me. It's not necessarily a great thing about me, but like I do. And I think what I've learned, it's really important is just to stick to what you believe in and really, really stick to what your business is, how you picture it growing and be open to ideas, but not change just because of the suggestion of maybe, you know, some 50 year old investor who's, you know, seen a dozen companies it doesn't mean that that's the right path for you. You have to really just be clear on what you want and your goals. A lot of it too, I, I feel based again on education. I mean, I, I didn't go to university, so I didn't have that business education at all. Um, did you feel that college was something that prepared you for this? That's, I mean, I think that's a really difficult question because... Yes and no. I think it taught me, you know, I think it opened up different doors for me and different sort of thinking processes um, and definitely taught me some skills, but really like the best thing in terms of, and I know this sounds bad for everyone whose parents want them to go to college, but it's really like the most that I've learned is just like real life Mm -hmm. experience. There's nothing you can't learn that stuff. You know, it's really, really hard. Like the skills that I use, you know, I use a lot of like the, um, finance and my accounting, you know, classes that I had, I use a lot of that. But I think in terms of what really matters is you really need to understand how to connect with people, especially it's sort of the level that I happen to be at now. It's really all about like, we have over 150 employees our corporate team is eight direct report team is 12. So it's really about learning how to work with people. And I think you don't get that experience in a classroom. Nobody can teach you how to do that. You have to figure out what works for you. You know, like how do you connect with people? Because what works for someone else isn't going to work for you. And 
I think college is great. I think it's a great thing to do. And I think it's super important. But I think in terms of management and things like that, like you really just have to learn how to connect with people. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think a part of it as well is when we when we started this conversation, we were talking about, you know, middle school, high school. One of the things, and I openly, you know, want to talk about this, you don't have to, but for me, I, I felt what is really missing in our education system is emotional intelligence class about, you know, feelings and how to communicate and how to talk, especially in this day and age where we're so connected. In fact, we're disconnected. Absolutely. You know? Like I never had a counselor that I could go to and talk to. And sometimes, you know, we, of course, we come from a privileged area, but in some of the work that I've done and in, in being in inner cities and, you know, seeing these kids who they don't have parents. They, you know, they have a single single parent who's working three jobs a day. Things are happening to them at school or within the neighborhood. They have no one to talk to. So I feel that what you're saying, the skill of communication and, and, and being personable, and, and maybe the tool is really empathy, right? Right. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I love that you said emotional intelligence because I think it's not only having the emotional intelligence and the empathy to relate to other people, but also how to process what's happening to you and not just immediately react, but to sort of respond in a more thoughtful way. That's not just like immediately like red lights, like flashing defense, like, and I think that's so important because if everybody kind of just took a step back, was like, okay, that just happened. You know, it'd be such a different it'd be situations would be handled so much differently. And I think that that's like, I, I completely agree with you. I think that was totally, you know, missing. And I like, as much as I appreciate our education, I think that, you know, what I really felt was lacking too, is sort of this, like, well, who's going to help me figure out what I want to do? Because I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a doctor. What do I do? And that was really like, that seemed to me, especially where, you know, kind of where we went to school growing up was like, that was really like, those are kind of the big two options. <laughs> and you're like, well, what if I don't want to do that? Like, what if I don't really like school? What if I don't do so well on this stuff? You know, like, who's going to help me, like, give me other options? Like, I went into college not even knowing that half the careers there that are out there exist because it was such a prep school environment that I had no idea how to sort of process like what I was feeling or what I was leaning towards or that it was okay to kind of go that way or explore that. I think part of it too is speaking openly, which is why I really wanted to push this idea of championing flaws, like to champion your own flaw. You know, there's a lot of this conversation happening of embrace your flaws. And that, that to me feels great. Um, but it, it's not enough in the sense where to just embrace your flaws feels like such a personal experience and it's behind closed doors. And so therefore we're not really, we're still having this kind of, you know, fake brand or fake idea of who we are. Um, and I, I asked you too, if you could pick a few flaws of your own that you would want to champion. Um, it is more of a message of like, well, this is just who I am purely based on the fact that there are so many other of us who have the same issues, you know? So if you have anything that you came prepared with. 
I did. Um, I am very anxious and I am super, super defensive. I am the person I'm really, really working on it, but I take every criticism like to my core and I lose sleep over it thinking like, what if I did this differently? Oh, did I say this? Was that bad? Like I overthink everything that I say that I do. Did this person notice? Did it affect them? And that's kind of why I talk so much about being, you know, like taking a step back and, you know, being secure in your decisions. Cause that's the, what am I even thinking about? You know, mm-hmm. like what, why am I even worrying about this stuff? It doesn't matter. Like it already happened. There's so many other important things to do. And I think that that's something I'm always going to be constantly working on. It's just a part of my personality. Yeah. And I think that really took me a long time to be just to be able to say that, be like, I have flaws and here they are and this is it. And I get really defensive and I'm sorry if I sound mad, but I get really defensive and it comes from a place of insecurity and like that really hurt my feelings. And in a way of criticizing me, <laughs> but you know, I've kind of learned that it's, it's not always as, you know, serious as it is in my brain. It's not always like life or death and I need to relax a little bit and I'm, you know, I'm going to make mistakes and I can only learn from them and do better next time. Yeah. And I think it's important for people like you to say that, because I know that for a lot of women who in reading the articles or seeing, you know, your profile kind of expand, it's like, oh, wow, she runs a company and she has flaws. You know, it it just allows a space of like, I'm not the only one suffering here and it's okay, you know? And I think that that's, that's what makes us human too. And I think, you know, it's hard, especially for women, because we feel like, there's always eyes on us. There's always eyes, you know, there's always people watching and no matter men or women, there's always someone, you know, watching to see if you mess up. And it's really hard to try and be perfect all the time. And when you try to do that, you really lose that like genuine sense of self. So, you know, that's why I love what you're doing. I think it's so amazing to sort of be like, it's all right. Like, None of us are perfect, but we're working on it, you know, and that's all you can do. You can't, no one's going to change overnight and you just have to, again, just kind of practice it being the best version of yourself. I, I wanted to quickly touch on this cause I know you have to go soon. I think self-love and body image kind of come hand in hand. Yeah. I wanted to hear just your thoughts of, of how you cultivate self-love, but also maybe some of the ups and downs within body image that you've gone through in your life. Yeah. I mean, I... I've always kind of struggled with, um, my weight and my body image. I, I'm, I'm, I love food. I just love the way it tastes and I don't like working out. So this is like really funny that like I'm doing this, but I started to work out and to view fitness as a path to overall health as opposed to uh, a way to lose weight, you know? And I think it's, that's really what you need to look at is that what's your, when do you feel your best? It may not be when you're at your skinniest and it may not be when you're working out five days a week. Maybe you're your happiest at like three days a week because you have time to do the other things that you want to do. You don't have to choose between a class or something you really enjoy. It's about finding that and being okay with that. Like 
my best friend loves to run. She runs like five miles a day. I used to feel really bad about myself that I can only maybe run one mile. That's just, that's just like not what I do and that's okay. And like, I'm okay with that. And I don't need to do the same things she does because it's completely different for her. But, you know, and running probably, it, running gives her a sense of like freedom and sort of like mind clearing that yoga does for me. So it's just different. And I think that that's, you know, what I really learned about my body is that like, listen, I'm always going to have a little bit of extra, you know, jiggle around and that's okay. I'm okay with that. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me gross. You know, I still take care of myself. I still work out. I still, you know, it makes you, you, right. And I really want to be, you know, mentally and physically in the best place that I can be health and fitness is not just your physical body. It's your mental, um, it's your mental self too, and your emotional self. And you just have to find the right balance for you. So I think that that's really, really important. It's a hard place to get to. I'm not completely there yet, like trying, but you know, I think it's a long kind of path and, you know, you have to be willing to sort of take your flaws and be like, all right, not super happy about this, but I'm going to work to change it if I can. And if not, that's okay too. Yeah. Lesson that took you the longest to learn, um, to trust myself. Yeah, that's big one um that was a big one you know I always have like my gut is really 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 good and a lot of times I would sort of stifle that you know voice of what I really believed in just to sort of you know not make a stir you know and make things more complicated so I think you know I wish I would have done things sooner that um that I really felt passionate about advice you'd give to your younger self relax don't worry. Everything's fine. (laughs) Be nice. Like everything's fine. Just be nice. And like, don't worry. I think a lot of people worry about, you know, I did at least growing up, like I analyzed like every action that I made, you know, whether it was towards other people or like making the right choices for school or choosing classes or am I going abroad in the right place? Like uh, everything's fine. Just, you know, relax smile be nice. What do you think that girl in middle school, high school would say and and think about you now? I think she'd be impressed and surprised that this is, you know, where she would end up. But I think deep down she know she would know that, you know, the things that I have to say to her now are the ultimate truth. And like, you know, just that's where your heart needs to be. It needs to be in the right place and you need to be right with yourself. Do you have a female or male role model? I've never really had just like one kind of single person. Um, but I think, you know, in the last, and this, it sounds so cliche now, like I always thought it sounds so cliche when people said this, but like, it really is my mom. Like she, you know, you also come from immigrant parents, so you know, it's really, really difficult, especially as foreign women to sort of make your mark. And I've watched her literally rise to the top tier of her career. And I also know what she had to give up to do that. And I, you know, I don't know, I can't imagine what those choices were like for her, but 
I completely respect it. And especially now with our political climate, even more so, you know, just recognizing everything she had to go through to sort of earn her place and to prove herself. What's the part of, of your business or what you do that you feel um, outsiders don't appreciate and or don't understand? Oh, I think they don't understand how difficult it is to have a consistent experience day in and day out through all the locations. You know, we get, we'll get like reviews that are like, this class wasn't as hot this time. The, there weren't as many candles. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to just, even with one studio to make sure that the teachers are consistent, the front desk is consistent, the lighting is consistent, the atmosphere is consistent, the products are consistent. I think, you know, and that's definitely what I want for my business, but man, it takes a lot of fucking work to do that. And I think that some people just sort of like glaze over that and they just like expect, you know, the best every time. And it's really, really challenging to, you know, be at that level all the time, even though we really, really try to. Well, you don't have to say this, but I will say this and you don't have to even nod or disagree or agree. But I feel that these people are coming to do yoga. The last thing they should be focusing on is one less candle. So that's all I'm going to say there. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to say that or not. <laughs> um, and then I guess the final thing, I mean, I have, I, there's so many things we didn't get to. Like, I know you guys are expanding. I wanted to talk about your clothing line because I know you're going to drop new, new things. Um, and there's just a whole, a lot of other things that, um, so we'll have to do this again. The last thing I kind of wanted to, to ask, um, if there was kind of just one message that you wanted to impart um, on this particular younger generation of women, what would that be? Um, I would say to them, lift each other up and be curious because, you know, you never know what ideas the person, you know, the girl next to you has or what kind of team you guys could make or the things you could do together if you just opened your, you know, your mind and you opened your, you know, changed your perspective and, you know, were just willing to hear things that maybe, you know, you weren't so interested in. I think that everyone has something to offer and you just need to open yourself up to that. And I think it's so important as women, like, we can achieve so much. We already do so much that, you know, goes sort of unseen because it's not part of the workforce or doesn't get media coverage or whatnot. You know, there's so much that we already do. Imagine what we could do if we really empowered each other and were actually genuinely supportive of one another. Love that. Woo! Preach. <laughs> I love that. Um, cool. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to cut this off. Um, press stop. I like love, love, love this conversation. You are just a boss lady um, and glowing with so much, so much love and joy, which is like so amazing to see. Um, I'm so proud of you and so happy that you're in the space that you're thank in. You. So thank you. Mwah. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. As I said, if you want more information on Sarah Levy or Y7 Yoga Studios, make sure to log on to the UF website, go to the podcast tab, and then click on Sarah, and you'll get all that information there. If you want to follow her, follow her on Instagram at Sarah Levy, that's S-A-R-A-H underscore L-E-V-E-Y, and then
Simon at Y7 Studio, just like that. For more on the Untitled Female podcast or the Untitled Female website or anything else we do, we are at Untitled Female on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, everything else. And then, of course, you can follow me, Aliank, on all my stories as well. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.